And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps Post Game Show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. In this episode of Wrap It Up, it's brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop. 2013 Danforth Avenue in the east end of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. And as a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointment now. Raptors fans, what a time to be alive. This is the moment. I know, first off, thanks to people tuning in live. If you're on the Twitter feed, click in on Twitter, at Shell Alexander. Let us know what you think. Give us your questions, comments, and concerns there if you enter in on that Periscope feed. Same thing goes for on uh, Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander. Take your comments and questions there. And, of course, if you're unable to ever listen to this podcast live, we go up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and, of course, YouTube. Just search On Blast Podcast or my name, Sheldon Alexander, and like and subscribe to the feed there because this Right here, Raptors fans, is exactly why this podcast was created. This is exactly why, you know, I wanted to be here to hear everything that Raptors fans have to say after a game exactly like this. This was incredible. Every single thing that was done from the end of last year, and if you go back, ESPN posted it earlier. One year ago today, LeBron hit that bank shot on the Raptors to win the game at the buzzer, stood up on the table. It was a game after Lebronto, and that was probably the low point of this era of Toronto Raptors basketball. That was basically the end of the series. Raptors got swept, but just the levels of disrespect, the levels of failure that the Raptors have been in year in, year out, that all led to why this moment is so spectacular. Obviously, we know about the changes that happened, Dwayne Casey gone, but the big thing was DeRozan out, Kawhi Leonard in. And I've been saying it all year, there's levels to this shit. This game might have been the best example of that on the whole, because Kawhi Leonard put up 39 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 13 of 20 shooting, so still high efficient, 5 of 7 from 3, including the big clinching 3 on Joel Embiid's head top. But it's the way that he did it. Kawhi Leonard is showing you that he is still one of the top three players in the NBA. And hey, I would sit there and debate with you over if you'd rather have Giannis than Kawhi, if you'd rather have KD than Kawhi. That's a discussion. Because what Kawhi Leonard did in this game, and forget about this game, the Raptors came into this series with Kawhi averaging 37 points per game on 60% shooting, and they were down 2-1 in the series. So Kawhi Leonard was never the problem. They just needed other guys to step in and give them some shots, and they got that in this game. 14 from Lowry, 16 from Marc Gasol. But Kawhi, 45, 35, 33, and 39. That is work. And the thing is, he does it quietly. Because I'm going to take you back to the end of Game 3 and remind us of Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's out here front-running. He's celebrating. He's woofing up the crowd. He's doing the Hulk Hogan. He's rocking the baby, doing all these things after he had one good game in this series. And again, I'm here for fun. I'm here for the celebration. Do your thing, Embiid. But you can't then come out in the next game when you have a chance 
to put your 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 foot on the throat of the Toronto Raptors and you're Joel Embiid, you're supposed to be the man out here talking the talk and you come out in the next game and go 2 for 7 for 11 points. 11 points. As we say on the block that na make it. Sorry. That that can't happen. Kawhi Leonard is your superstar's superstar because he goes out there, he's about his business, he does it on both ends of the floor because the other key adjustment you got to give Nick Nurse credit for is down the stretch, we saw a lot of Kawhi Leonard on Jimmy Butler. We know that the offense for the Sixers, especially in big boy time, it's going to Jimmy Buckets. And hey, let him get off, do his thing during the game. Kawhi's got a lot he's got to carry on throughout. He's got a huge burden that he's got to carry throughout the game. But in crunch time, when the chips are, on, are down, chips are on the table, Kawhi is not out, not only out here hitting big-time shots on offense, but he's playing defense to try and stop the Sixers' best score. It's incredible. All the talk about should Masai have done this, the risk of trading away your franchise player and DeMar DeRozan and bringing in Kawhi Leonard, and the risk of, well, you don't know if he's going to stay, you don't know if he wants to play on your team, all of that talk out of the window and this is exactly why load management throughout the whole year why did he miss what 22 games was that how much he missed right why did he miss all those games all of that talk out of the window this is why 39 points 14 rebounds and the key here the raptors (laughs) this was not a, a pretty game but this is how big time teams playoff teams that are used to being here your superstar grinds it out for you and wins a game for you on the road we've never really been in this position as raptors fans yeah vince had his moments you know trading bucket trading you know big boy games with iverson but you're talking about that's 2001 in this era of raptors basketball have you seen your star player go out and say i am not letting you lose the game that is why Masai is the god. That's why Masai can do whatever he wants. That's why he threw all his chips in the table and said, let's go with Kawhi Leonard. Because the Raptors in the third quarter were struggling. It did not look good at all. After leading at the half, the Raps come out in the, in the, second, in the second half to start that third quarter. And the Sixers go on. The Sixers ended up being up six. And it wasn't looking good. It wasn't looking good at all. But then... That championship pedigree from Kawhi Leonard. He not calmly comes down, knocks down a three to cut it to three points. And then the next couple possessions, Danny Green gets to the free throw line. You got to remember, the Raptors' shots weren't falling all, all game. They could not hit threes. They shot terribly from three-point land. What, 10 of 31? And, I mean, that's a couple threes late to even make it look that good. But the Raptors were brutal from three the whole game. And Danny Green... One of those guys, your three-point shooters that you count on, in that run, in the third quarter, when the Raptors are about to, it looks like they're on the brink, the brink of just losing this game. Danny Green's the one that gets to the free throw line on back-to-back possessions, and Greg Monroe takes one of the dumbest techs ever, which you can't have, you can't take a technical like that in that moment where you're about to to put your your foot on the throat on the of the Raptors, and Greg Monroe. And you're Greg Monroe. You're not even Embiid. You're not even one of the stars. You're Greg Monroe. And you get beat on back-to-back plays, sending Danny Green to a free throw line, and then you argue to give up an extra point. That can't happen if you're the Sixers. But at the end of the day, Danny Green and Kawhi stop that run. And then the big play after that, 
Kyle Lowry getting the ball, Kyle Lowry taking the three. And here's why Kyle Lowry taking the three, but at the last second, finds Siakam under the basket for a dunk. Boom. Quick run for the Toronto Raptors. Raptors up by one. And hey, now you're back in it. Now you're, you know, you took that punch from the Sixers at the start of the third quarter, but you're okay. You're in it. Everything's cool. And that's why it's so important for Kyle Lowry and Marc Gasol to take those shots in those moments because even if you miss, you have to be a threat to take those shots. And you saw that with that Kyle Lowry play to Siakam where if Kyle Lowry is still turning down shots and he hasn't been aggressive for that whole game, the Sixers aren't even paying attention to him as he tries to go up for that shot, right? They're guarding their guys. But because Kyle Lowry came out in this game aggressive, remember his second shot of the game, or how Kyle Lowry started the game, as we've been telling you the whole year, if you follow this podcast, the two good signs of Kyle Lowry, if he goes driving hard to the basket, and if he pulls up for that transition three, well, those were his first two shots of the game. So you knew you were getting good Kyle Lowry in this game, but so did the Sixers. So now fast forward and, and realize how things that happen to start the game affect drastically what happens later on. So because Kyle Lowry took those shots, because Kyle Lowry was being aggressive, now you find yourself in a position where it's the third quarter. He goes up for that shot, that deep three, but really he's faking it. Siakam's able to cut to the basket. Siakam gets his first points or his first field goal of the game. That was a massive swing for the Toronto Raptors right there. A confidence builder for Pascal, who, I mean, didn't even mention it off the top, but Siakam, as we know, we assume that, well, he came into this game, he was listed as doubtful yesterday, then questionable, but he ended up starting this game. But we know that he had a right calf contusion. And it's not for sure, but we're assuming that it was because of his trip on Joel Embiid in game three Siakam tried he played he gutted it out he definitely did not play well I mean I'll give him a lot of credit because on defense he was still all over the place he was trying he was the same you know he gave them good minutes he gave them what he could I mean I know this sounds dumb to say about someone as good as Siakam but he gave them the four fouls battling inside for rebounds right he gave them three steals he got to the line. He hit five free throws. A lot of those were in were uh, crunch time while the game's winding down. And yes, he was 0 for 4. Yes, he was 2 for 10. But I think going out there and gutting it out and trying to give your team something, he gave them 29 minutes, it was key. And again, that Kyle Lowry point, that Kyle Lowry finding Siakam, because Siakam was struggling, and that was his first field goal of the game. And it's kind of a change-up because how the Sixers were playing them. Still, the best adjustment the Sixers have made in this series was having Embiid on Siakam, and whether Siakam's hurt or not doesn't really matter, but the point remains, giving him that outside shot. Because Siakam, trying to chase him out to the perimeter and having him beat you on the perimeter to get layups, that's not productive. So Joel Embiid changing that up, sagging off, uh, um, sagging off Siakam and forcing him to shoot. He missed a bunch of those shots. But to see the adjustment made where he's cutting to the basket and a very key point for the Toronto Raptors, that was huge. But get back to that third quarter because the third quarter was, was massive in this game, right? It was the Raptors went with a lineup of Kawhi, Gasol, Abaka, Green, and Kyle Lowry. And we saw the Kyle Lowry to surge play where, you know, that kind of looked good. And because of the injuries to... Siakam that kind of forced in more minutes and we wondered how would that play 
right? Who, who would get the more minutes? And it became Serge Ibaka. The Raptors went big, which was a good adjustment by Nick Nurse. Got to give him credit for that. Because let's be honest, all the talk was about how Brett Brown was out coaching Nick Nurse. The adjustments that Brett Brown was making were the key to the Raptors' demise so far in this series. But Nick Nurse deciding that he was going to go big and play Ibaka and Gasol together, that really helped a lot of the easy second-chance points that the that the Sixers were able to get early on in this series. Playing Gasol and Serge Ibaka together really, you know, it gave the advantage almost to the Raptors. Because how many times did we see during this game where the Raptors were kind of in trouble and they dumped it down to Serge in the paint? Serge got an easy jump hook in key situations. Now, you definitely rather see more of that from Serge than him on the perimeter. Serge Ibaka was 0 for 3 from 3, and they're letting him shoot, and he missed those threes badly. But it's getting Serge involved. Serge also, maybe even a bigger deal, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks in this game for Serge Ibaka. That is a way that you're a factor, even without scoring the ball. But you made yourself a factor but with 3 blocks, with 9 rebounds. That's what the Raptors needed from their big guys. And playing them together... You're now taking the game to the Sixers, forcing them to adjust to you, right? Because the Raptors were getting out-rebounded. The Sixers kept getting, I mean, they still got a bunch of offensive rebounds in this game, but it wasn't as bad as it was in past games. But also, a lot of people talking about the Marcus Gasol getting crushed by Serge Ibaka, you know, I go through the YouTube chat and there's all these comments about should have kept JV, which obviously I think is a ridiculous statement, but all this talk about Marcus Gasol and listen, we all know that Marcus Gasol has been, has a much more offensive game than he's shown so far with the Toronto Raptors. One thing about sports that we take for granted is how much it is about your mentality, right? And so we know that Marcus Gasol is able to put up numbers offensively we know that Marcus Gasol can get buckets but what has been so far on this Raptors team is he's been trying to figure out how he can fit in and how he was able to fit in was the ball movement was finding other guys whether that was Siakam whether that was Kawhi whether that was Kyle setting good screens to free up those guys that was how he his mentality was of how he could fit in on this Toronto Raptors team but now you're in this series, you're going against Joel Embiid, and he knows that his first issue, his first deal that he has to do is slow down Joel Embiid, who is the Sixers' best player, who a lot of their stuff goes through. And it amazed me how many people were so quick to turn on Marc Gasol after one good Joel Embiid game. That's it. That's all it was. Embiid had one good game where, even if we're being honest, a lot of the damage to inflate those stats came at the end of the game when it was already, you know, jammed done, and he was front-running, which is cool, but it was one good Joel Embiid game. And all of a sudden, everybody forgot about, I don't know, the other two games in the series that Embiid didn't really do much, or the first-round series when he made all-star Nikola Vucevic look like, I don't know, Andrea Bargnani? But we were all ready to just dump on Gasol. And my whole thing that all I was saying was it's mentality. And I'm sure the Raptors players, the Raptors coaches, they're way smarter than us. 
we're watching the games and we can say, hey, Gasol and Lowry got to stop turning down shots and they got to be more aggressive. And obviously we know that watching the game. So to me, it was just a matter of now executing and changing that mindset. And we saw that from Gasol today where he put up 16 points, five rebounds, three assists. But to me, the key here is he shot 13 shot attempts. I've been begging for Marcus Gasol to so average around 10, but I think he should at least be getting 10 field goal attempts per game. And in this game, you see him go seven for 13. He was two of seven from three, but he has to keep shooting that three. Has to keep shooting it because he, you have to remain a threat so that guys don't load up on Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard's efficiency has been disgusting, regardless of double teams, regardless of everything. But you cannot risk everyone else just turning down shots because now it's easier for the defense then to sag and and rush on Kawhi because they're not worried about anyone else making shots. But let's keep it 100. All this talk about Marc Gasol, Gasol outplayed Joel Embiid in this game. That's just facts. So if you're talking about scoring, Joel Embiid outscored Gasol in game three. Gasol played better and outscored Embiid in game four. And the series is tied at two. And if you look at the first two games, Embiid's job on his team is to get buckets. Gasol's job, he's not the first option. So Embiid having bad scoring performances in game one and two, I'm charting those as wins for Mark Gasol. So, hey, that's how I'm reading this. We can say what we want, but Joel Embiid, again, 35 minutes, two of seven from the floor, 11 points on seven rebounds. I mean, seven assists, good job finding guys, two blocks. I like to think that some of those blocks were fouls, but hey, Sixers fans, maybe my guy Andrew Webster would call me salty and say that I'm a hater. But the point remains, all I'm saying is I'm here for showboating. Showboat, do all of that, but you got to back it up. And surprise, surprise, before this game, Embiid was questionable. He was, wasn't really feeling well. And it's like... Bro, you can't do that. That's why you can't be out here talking smack like that because you had one good game because it's a very long series. And now all those celebrations, you just look like a clown. But hey, again, series is tied at two after Raptors win 101-96, heading back to Toronto for game five. And now, hey, it's a best of three series. Raptors have home court. But this game, to me, also showed that the Raptors can win the grinded-out game on the road in Philadelphia. And all year, we talked about the fact that the Raptors play defense, the Raptors can win on the road, and they have Kawhi Leonard. We saw all of that in this game tonight. Because you look at Philadelphia, and when it was crunch time, when it was the fourth quarter, the box score says they finished with 21 points. But a lot of those points were a Ben Simmons layup late, a Jimmy Butler layup late in garbage time when you're basically trading free throws for layups. So if you really break it down in terms of meaningful points, the Sixers were at like, I want to say 17 points when this game was still in contention. And yeah, it comes down to your best players versus our best players. And Kawhi Leonard, again, is the best player on the floor. I don't know if this game deserved to be a tie game at 75-75 after three, but Kawhi in the third quarter did it again. He waited, he waited, he waited. I feel like he did a good job of pacing himself. To start this game, you got a lot from Kyle Lowry. You're getting some buckets from Kyle, who had 10 points in the first quarter. Or sorry, in the half, first half. 
Kawhi had 17 and 10, which 10 rebounds in the first half is disgusting. But Kyle Lowry had 10, Serge had 8, Gasol had 7. Now, why is that important, you ask? Because in the last previous game, Mark Gasol had 7 points total. In this game, he had 7 points at the half. The previous game, Serge Ibaka had 4 points total. In this game, Serge had 8 points at the half. Kyle Lowry in the previous game had 7 points total. In this game, he had 10 points at the half. Now, why is that important? It's because Kawhi had 17, but he didn't need that to be 27 in the first half. Right? He's able to kind of coast a little, not coast, but pace himself. Because you know down the stretch, it's going to be a full usage of Kawhi every rip down the floor. So you got to pace him and give him help early, get those Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Marc Gasol points early so that Kawhi can do a good job and have enough left in the tank to bring you home. And that's what he did. When the team needed it the most, again, brought up that third quarter where Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> I mean, Kawhi Leonard at that point, okay, was at the end of the third, 11 for 16 for Kawhi. His teammates were 17 of 46. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good at all. Kawhi was holding on for dear life for the Toronto Raptors in this game. And he really, he, he really kept them in it. And then in the fourth quarter, that three-point shot. I, mean, I don't know where that ranks in terms of Toronto sports. And I know when I say Toronto sports, we're not talking about many championships. You're going back to like, obviously, Alomar and Carter. And someone messaged me there. One of my friends messaged me and said, if the Raptors end up making the finals, where would this Kawhi 3 over Embiid rank? And, I mean, I don't know. I really don't have an answer to that question. But I do know that is one of the biggest shots in Raptors franchise history. That's not hyperbole. That's not gas. And, I mean, hey, let's be serious. What is Raptors franchise history? It's not like there's much. <laughs> but that 3 that he hit, shot clock winding down, double team chasing him, he hits a fadeaway three-point shot over Joel Embiid, who is a seven-foot center, might I add. That Kawhi three is incredible. That, for sure, to me, one of the biggest shots made in Toronto Raptors franchise history. Obviously, the Alvin Williams shot that he hit to, to clinch that series win against the Knicks, obviously that's up there. But I feel like when you add in the stakes and what's on the line right now for the Toronto Raptors, I don't know how many shots are bigger than this one by Kawhi. Because if Kawhi misses that, if the Raptors lose this game and go down 3-1, oh boy, we're talking about Kawhi's gone. We're talking about the teams being blown up. That saved the season. That really saved the season. And down the stretch, it was a back-and-forth game. It was a toss-up. Anyone could have made plays to win that game for their team. And Kawhi Leonard made more plays than Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard made more plays than Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, like, the reason I keep bringing this up, it's not because of, like, yes, the showboating was hell of annoying. But again, down the stretch, Joel Embiid missed three huge free throws for the Sixers. Joel Embiid called for a huge travel down the stretch. Like, he did not play well at all. Whereas the Raptors' best player did. And that's the difference. That's what makes the playoffs the playoffs. My best player versus your best player. Wow, I was fired up there. I'm sorry if I didn't, uh, I haven't taken any comments lately, but I was just fired up during that game. 
I, I apologize. I haven't taken any comments or questions, but I see the chat room fil filtering up or filling up. So I'll get to some of those comments now. Uh, one comment on Twitter. Again, if you want to comment and interact with the show live, we're on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Same thing goes for another feed that is on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. First comment on Twitter, Sugar K Leonard, all caps. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. that. Kawhi Leonard plays for the Toronto Raptors. I can't believe that that is a sentence, and I've been stressing to enjoy it, and this is the moment we've been waiting for as Raptors fans. This was a moment. That was incredible. Uh, another comment here from Chase on Twitter. Chase says, Greg Monroe is secretly still a, a Raptors player masquerading as a Sixers player. <laughs> I mean, it would have helped. What was those two first two games where he kind of, he had some moments. He dropped like 10 points. Was that just to throw us off the scent? I don't know. Um, pardon my swag on Twitter says, Kawhi is the greatest Raptor ever. I mean, you're not going to get any arguments from me. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to argue that point. Kawhi, and again, being able to switch off and say, I'm going to guard Jimmy Butler down the stretch and take out Jimmy Butler that's incredible. To then say that I'm going to run the sole pick and roll each and every time down the floor, because you could tell Kyle Lowry, crunch time, wanted nothing to do with the ball, wanted nothing to do with the playmaking. And again, this is why it's so important why you get Kyle Lowry, you get Mark Gasol, you get those guys getting buckets early, because late, that way, Kawhi still has something left in the tank. But Kyle Lowry was a huge topic of conversation and Kyle Lowry, he silenced some people. I was watching the pregame show on ESPN, and Chauncey Billups, before the game, they pick, like, who's going to be their X-Factor player. And Chauncey Billups, who is a Kyle Lowry, who's Kyle Lowry's boy, their boys, Chauncey Billups, before the game, said, I'm picking Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's going to have a bounce-back game. And Jalen Rose said, you know what? I was with you on the Raptors until you bigged up Kyle Lowry, and now I'm not picking the Raptors. That's what happened to start the game. But Chauncey... I've always said Kyle Lowry comes from that Chauncey Billups style of play, right? He's kind of like the Husky point guard. He's all about like swag and anger and like, you know, that pit bull nature, but controlling the game, setting the tempo of the game. That's straight Chauncey Billups clone. Even if you think about the way that their careers progressed in terms of bouncing around from team to team early on, but then as a vet, settling into a situation that fits for you and fits your game their careers are pretty close closely mirrored if you really take back take it take a look at that but the fact that Chauncey Billups said you know he had confidence in Kyle Lowry and then Kyle Lowry comes out 14 points seven assists six rebounds the reason why I don't hammer Kyle Lowry anymore right and after that game a lot of people went out there hammering Kyle Lowry and I get it and I understand it the reason why I don't is because we've watched this Kyle Lowry for how many years now in the playoffs. We know that he's going to have great games and then he's going to have no-show games. That's just the nature of who Kyle Lowry is. So if he has a horrible game and you want to write him off, that's on you. Now, if he has a big boy game, a very solid game like he did here, and you want to, you know, big him up and say, hey, Kyle Lowry's back, that's also on you. <laughs> the point is, you just hope that you get the good Kyle Lowry and hopefully other things fall into place. Hey, Gasol was great in this game. 
I texted a few people before the game, a couple of my boys said, hey, this might be the Gasol game. They need him to score because we know it's in there. If you watch basketball and you understand basketball, you know that Marc Gasol's in there. And it's, and hey, I'm a dude on my couch saying that, but was it uh, Nurkic that tweeted out a couple games ago or after game three that Marc Gasol, the Raptors are basically using 5% of Marc Gasol's offensive skills? How smooth did that pick and roll look with Kyle Lowry and Gasol? They could do that all the time. Because especially with the hobbled Embiid, he's not really trying to play defense on that pick and roll. He's not. He can't. He's slow-footed even when he's healthy. So, hey, great game from Kyle Lowry. Great game from Marc Gasol. And at this point, we can't be surprised by Kawhi getting buckets. But I will say that shot he hit. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Poor Sixers. Poor Sixers. And... I wasn't really, I will say, in terms of being a fan and watching that game, I was mad nervous. Like, just in the sense of, like, that game, it could have went either way. It was such a grinded out, like, it was just such a back and forth, like, old school, grinded out playoff game. And you love it when it's my best player versus your best player. That's what it boils down to. The Raptors have the best player in the series. Uh, let's get to some more comments here on Instagram, though. I'll, fi I'll filter through some comments there. Um, underdog Mindset says, that was a nerve-wracking two minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh, how, how did that feel to, for the sigh of relief at the end of that game, Raptors fans? That's what I want to know. Uh, Momo, Momo says, Kawhi, and that's it. Next comment, I love that guy. <laughs> Glow Girl Smile. She says, like I said last podcast, quote, not today, <laughs> which is a reference to Game of Thrones. We know Sundays are Thrones and Raptors. Kawhi definitely had that mentality. Not today. He was not going down. James on Instagram says, Kawhi being a god. Another comment. The fadeaway three over Joel. Uh, man, I don't know. That, that It was crazy. Uh, someone says a missed free throw could have been a 40 piece for Kawhi. I don't know if he's that mad at that. <laughs> at that point, when he's just shooting free throws to really ice the game, he's probably dog tired at that point. I'm more happy that he had the legs for his three <laughs> over Embiid as opposed to the free throw to get him to 40 points. It's okay. That's all right. Uh, even with that last second push, even with that last second push, the Raptors still hold the Sixers to under 100 points again. That's pretty good. That's pretty good if you're the Toronto Raptors. Again, holding the Sixers to 96 points. That's showing you the defense is back. And we know that's when the Raptors are at their best, when they're playing defense. More comments. Surprisingly, the Ibaka and Gasol lineup worked. It really did, and, and maybe that was a blessing in disguise of Siakam being a little banged up. It forced Nurse into making a lot more adjustments, um, and I would assume more adjustments are probably on the way because Abaka played 32 minutes off the bench, but beyond Abaka, Norm only played four minutes, McCaw played five minutes, Van Fleet played seven minutes. Not much at all from the Raptors bench. But Serge gave them numbers, gave them something. And other than that, the biggest issue with the bench still remains Van Fleet looks lost. You're four games in. 
And I don't know how much longer you can ride with Fred Van Fleet in the playoffs. I don't think you roll with Jeremy Lin or do anything like that, but I definitely think giving McCaw more minutes. I just liked his energy in the five minutes. He missed a shot, but got his own offensive rebound, had an assist, had a steal, had a foul. He was just active. He was just doing something. When you look at Fred Van Fleet's box score, right? He's 0 for 2, and there's nothing else on his stat sheet. No rebounds, no assists, no steals. He got a foul. But that's not good. That's not good. You'd rather take McCaw's energy of flying out there and say, hey, at least my guy has some fouls that he can use up on Jimmy Butler to make him work for a couple possessions. So in terms of the bench, as of now, I'm rolling with the Baca, Norm Powell, and McCaw. That's just what it is. I understand why you play Van Fleet for Kyle Lowry, and credit to Nurse for making the adjustment and not having long minutes at all with Norm and Fred on the floor at the same time. He really tightened up the bench. You saw most of Fred's minutes were blatantly just to give Kyle Lowry a breather, which was key. And even though Fred is your backup point guard, I think you can live with two or three minutes of if Fred's not on the floor, but McCaw or Norm is for Fred's minutes, you can live with Siakam bringing up the ball. You can live with Kawhi bringing up the ball in those minutes if you got to buy some time because you don't want to go to Fred. Fred can't get a shot off, and it's not a good look at all. He's not confident at all, and it's it's he's borderlining on unplayable. Like he has, there's mad people in my mentions talking about should we play Jeremy Lin? That's not a place I thought we would be in the second round against the Sixers. People people asking for Jeremy Lin minutes. Wow. Another comment here says, my heart was pounding the last two minutes. More comments. Uh, let's see here. Uh, comment here says, Mark was good. Still could have been more aggressive. They left him open so much. That big man lineup, though. Kyle, Kawhi, Pascal, Ibaka, Gasol. Yeah, playing all those bigs seemed to work for the Raptors. Because the, the unwritten thing, or the un, the thing that wasn't really talked about was the Raptors getting killed on the glass because a lot of the times, just the way that the Raptors' offense rolls, Gasol at this stage isn't an elite rebounder. He, he just isn't at this stage of his career, right? But with Siakam in the front line, a lot of Siakam's damage comes from leaking out. So he's not even staying at home to get defensive rebounds. And you saw the Sixers in pr previous games get so many more easy baskets because they were getting offensive rebounds. But playing Serge and Gasol together for extended minutes, that helps negate the Sixers on the offensive glass. Add in Kawhi Leonard, who had a game-high 14 rebounds, right, to also help out. You start to close that gap a little. You make the Sixers have to work a little harder on offense which means the Raptors are playing solid defense. And you look at it, if J.J. Redick doesn't get 19 points, and J.J. Redick hits some tough, tough shots for the Sixers, but if that doesn't happen, or if the Raptors hit shots in the first half, this game is over, easy. But, hey, it is what it is. Close, close game. 101-96, Toronto Raptors win. Emma says, sweaty palms. <laughs> Emma, it's okay. We won. Going back home, tied it to, hey, hopefully the shooting will come out. The Raptors haven't had the game yet where they shoot the lights out. Hey, got to win game five. More comments. I like how they put Kawhi out early in the fourth instead of waiting until it was too late. I can't lie to you. 
great point brought up here on Instagram. A lot of talk about Kawhi playing the whole second half. And I was on board with, hey, got to ride him out. Got to let him play the whole fourth quarter. But that's a fan in me, right? I understand why you give him a breather. I understand. I, I get it. I get it. And as much as I want to argue it and say, play him the whole second half, and don't get me wrong, obviously playing the result here, Raptors won the game, but here's what I'll say about the Kawhi Leonard playing the full second half. One, we don't know who's making the call. Is it Nick Nurse sitting him down? Is Nick Nurse asking him, hey, do you need a bit of a break here? We don't know that, how that discussion goes. Is Kawhi asking for a break? We don't know how that discussion goes. So that's the first thing I'll say. Secondly, Kawhi Leonard playing the whole second half, all Kawhi Leonard minutes are not equal to other superstar minutes. What I mean by that is, if you look at Kevin Durant, we know, you know, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, those guys don't have to log like 48 minutes, really. I mean, they might have yesterday because their bench is super trash now. But the responsibilities that those guys have on their teams especially if you look at Kevin Durant, Steph, they don't have the same responsibilities as Kawhi Leonard does when he's on the floor. That's what I mean by the minutes aren't created equally for all superstars. Kawhi Leonard is out here playing defense hard, guarding up on Ben Simmons. If you look at LeBron James, and a big talk, talking point last year was obviously where the Cavs were finding times to sneak a rest in for LeBron James. Because basically when LeBron James came off the floor, and the rest of the Cavs were left to their, <laughs> to their own, uh, to their own. Let's say, it wasn't a good look. So basically, LeBron played entire second halves. But again, not all minutes are created equally, and a Kawhi Leonard minute is different than a LeBron James minute. So we're pointing to LeBron James last year playing the entire second half in games, but. If I go back and bring up the second spectrum stats from last year, and those are stats are something, it, it tracks player movement. And what those stats do, it divides it up into three intervals, basically fast, medium, and slow. Fast is when you're going all out. Medium is when you're playing, but you're playing with pace, you're kind of downshifted. And slow, or the slowest tier, is when you're basically walking. And LeBron James last year, played at the slowest pace of anyone in the postseason. That's what I mean by not all minutes are created equally. LeBron, what they did was they would hide him on defense and cheat him on defense so that he was guarding, you know, someone where he can sit in the lane and chill, kind of like what you see Embiid doing. Whereas Kawhi Leonard, when he's on defense, he's guarding either Jimmy Butler or Ben Simmons. He doesn't really get to cheat. He can't really rest on the court. Also, I don't know if that's in Kawhi's mentality to cheat on defense, right? Like, he's always in passing lanes. He can get steals. He can do that. So I understand. I understand it. I can't say I fully agree with it, but I understand the argument of Nurse continuing to give Kawhi the rest at the start of the fourth quarter. And this time, I mean, playing the result, it worked out for them, right? It didn't fall apart to start the fourth quarter. Kyle got open looks, Siakam got open looks, they couldn't finish it off, but things didn't fall apart by the time Kawhi checked back into the game. And then when he did check back into the game, he was getting busy. He was all over the place. Kawhi was diming dudes as well, like, he is a beast. 
and a question I want to ask you guys that maybe in the YouTube comments we'll get to to find out the answers. I want to know how many players you would take over Kawhi Leonard right now in the NBA. Because getting to watch what Kawhi Leonard has to do, the responsibilities that he has, wow. Wow. It's incredible what this guy's doing. Because Steph Curry doesn't have the same responsibilities on his team. Kevin Durant doesn't have the same responsibilities at his team. And you have to remember, Kevin Durant, you can't double team off of Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. So Kevin Durant gets to just cook whoever he wants one-on-one, -on -one, and there's really no option to double team. Kawhi Leonard doesn't have that luxury. Also, on the flip side, those guys play matchups. So Klay's out here guarding the top offensive player on the other team. Right? It's just... I don't know. I'm just saying, how many guys hold the same responsibility? I mean, maybe Giannis, but I'd argue that Kawhi is playing at a higher level so far in these playoffs than Giannis. So I'll ask that question again. How many dudes would you take over Kawhi Leonard right now? Let's get to some more comments, though. Uh, Len says, I love how the veterans closed out this game and stepped, on, stepped up on behalf of the injured Pascal. It's true. You got to give the Raptors starters, Mark Gasol, Kyle Lowry, those vets. You got to give those guys credit for stepping up when they know that Siakam was injured, which is why I always said, especially with Gasol, it's mindset. He was letting Siakam cook. He's trying to fit in. But you know the conversation behind the scenes was added like, no, no, no. We need big Spain. <laughs> we need you to get buckets. We need you to be aggressive. And when him and Lowry ran that pick and roll, it was money. Hopefully we see that continue into the next game as well. Diaz brings up, Tony Brothers ref this game, and we still got the dub in Philly. Raps in six. <laughs> if you follow us on this podcast, you know that I am not one to blame the refs, but there are a lot of just BS calls. A lot. And you could tell there are a lot of makeup calls, like down the stretch. I think Embiid got called, or Embiid was driving on Gasol. Questionable call. Embiid misses the free throws. But right away... Kawhi dribbles, Simmons like touched them, and then they called the foul on the on Simmons. And you could tell that's just a blatant makeup call for the bad call on the other end. And this is when fans, this is when players urge you to just just let them play. There are a lot of weird things. Like Ennis just called for the common foul when you could blatantly see on the replay that he tripped Kyle Lowry on purpose. Just a lot of weird calls, weird foul calls. I don't get how Embiid Embiid tries to those foul calls that guards get like James Harden where he's driving to the basket and he'll put his shoulder down and like flail in the air I don't know how he gets those calls it makes no sense to me but they keep giving him those calls it was weird Kawhi still I feel like could get more calls than he does but Kawhi's a beast so what can we say uh, more comments Danny was in foul trouble early in the fourth which is when they put Kawhi back in that lineup was interesting amazing rebounding and defense and I always point to that fact as to why I believe so much in this Raptors team. They have vets and they play defense. So when all else fails, when things are struggling, you'll stay in the game because you play defense. On the flip side too, the Sixers take a lot of bad shots. They really do. They take a lot of bad shots. A lot of like, and maybe this is where, I mean, J.J. Redick takes a lot of shots where he's just like, running around and he's off a rebound or whatever, right? Or off a screen and he's flailing and taking a shot so he looks really off balance. It looks like a bad shot, but he's a good shooter. But then you have Jimmy and Tobias sometimes where 
they're used to being the guy, meaning you can get your shot off whenever. So they end up taking those weird shots where I haven't shot in a while, so I'm going to take this tough fadeaway. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But anyways, more comments from Instagram. Again, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. We're going to wrap up shortly, but you guys have been so good with me during this podcast in terms of sending in your comments and questions. So I want to reward that by reading those comments because this podcast is about you and getting your opinions out there, Raptors fans, on what we've been saying, the best Raptors team in franchise history. And I didn't want to overreact after the game one Raptors blowout win. I didn't overreact after the Raptors game three blowout loss. But this game, watching Kawhi Leonard, watching what this team is able to do with their backs against the wall, with Siakam injured, because let's be honest, Raptors fans, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people yesterday, and they thought that if Siakam was actually hurt, it's jam done for the Raptors. We watched this game, Siakam was actually hurt, and it was not jam done for the Raptors. All I'm saying is, this team is different. That's it. Len says, I'm glad that Nurse is now taking advantage of this team's impressive versatility. Going supersized like that with Leonard as a two-guard is something other teams couldn't do. Great job, Nurse. I'm going to applaud that because I agree. If I'm going to call out Nick Nurse for things and not playing Kawhi for the full second half or call out some of the adjustments, continuing to go with Norm and Fred as a unit, well, he adjusted well in this game. So got to clap your hands and shout out Nick Nurse because he did make the correct adjustments because this is a difficult situation to be in. Siakam, for more than half the season now, has been that dude behind Kawhi Leonard. And now you remove that? That's a very tough adjustment to make, not only for Nurse, but for the rest of the guys on the team. And it just shows the maturity level of some of these guys that they're able to adjust and say, hey, we got to pick up our guy, Pascal. We got to go now. Like, this is the moment. But the one thing you knew, that Gasol is not going to be shook. He's a vet. Serge, we know Serge is in and out, and sometimes Serge has some terrible games. But at the end of the day, Serge is a vet, and he's been through playoff battles. You know about Kawhi and Danny's resume. So they weren't going to be shook by the stakes in Philadelphia. I didn't mean Philly cheesesteaks. I meant the stakes of the game. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know what I mean. Great game by the Raps here. Cat uh, Libby says, my heart can't take this. That was the longest last minute of my life. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the only one. And I really think the surprise for most Raptors fans is because they thought, again, once Siakam wasn't in the lineup, I don't think many Raptors fans were giving their team a chance. I really don't think, I really don't think so. So it's a great win, a great surprise win. The fan base can exhale, but... The thing I'll say as well is buckle up because there's going to be more games exactly like this game, right? Like just because it's now 2-2 going back home, like this is what the playoffs are about. Grind it out, close games, tough games down the stretch that are just left in the balance until the final buzzer sounds. This is what the playoffs are about. Raptors fans, if you say this is what you wanted, this is what we waited for, you wanted that stage of big time, big boy NBA playoff games, this is it. And it's why I keep stressing to enjoy this. All those years of getting dubbed by LeBron, of LeBronto, all that being completely disrespected by LeBron. If you go back, the tape doesn't lie. I said in that last podcast, that was an old Raptors team that, you know, LeBron's drinking the beer. LeBron's, you know, 
whipping the ball around before he's wetting threes and they're showboating and front running against the Raptors and just dissing them. I said on last podcast, that's the old Raptors. So first things first, Joel Embiid is not LeBron. And secondly, they're not gonna they're not gonna be thrown off or be shook by Embiid's showboating and running around and woofing up the crowd. They're not gonna be shook by that. They're looking at him like he's a clown. And again, when you do that, I keep bringing this up because I kept stressing the point. Like I'm not I'm not changing my tune just because I'm not playing the result. I said if you're gonna showboat like that as Joel Embiid, you can't then come out and have crap games. And two for seven. For 11 points, that's a crap game if you are who you say you are, Mr. Joel Embiid. Uh, let's see more comments. Gasol and Ibaka need to play together more. I think we'll see a lot more than that for sure. Uh, K2's, K2's Garnett says, all that bandwagon Raptors fans, please stay on that side. <laughs> Come on, but we know where we're at right now. We know that we're at the point where it's all going to be the bandwagon fans at this point. It's all going to be the bandwagon Raptors fans at this point. That's what happens. And I mean, when the game is now on like national TV, on normal TV, where you can just plug in your TV and it's there, that's why you're going to get the bandwagon fans now. And here we are. Here we are. Big boy games, big boy performances. Um, let's see what other comments we got here. So many comments. Really appreciate you guys. Again, on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Tony Brothers and Mark Davis officiating the game together had me shaking my head. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, someone says, did anyone else notice Embiid purposely lying down to prevent Lowry from closing out on Redick for that clutch three? I did not notice that, but I will go back and watch that game and see if that's a thing. Shout to Kyle Lowry doing a lot of Kyle Lowry things. You can see he was getting under the skin of James Ennis, <laughs> which I thought was funny, but it's also your man's Kyle Lowry. Good to see. Very good to see. Uh, Emma says, still winning with an injured Pascal and shitty three-point shooting. Would have sucked to lose that way. Full team effort and definite credit to Nick Nurse. Great point there by Emma, and I totally agree because Nick Nurse was taking a lot of flack, and hey, I was giving Nick Nurse a lot of flack. But he stepped up in this game and had the right answers. He had the right answers in this game. Now he got he got you know bigger performances from his other stars, not named Kawhi. That's obviously key. But to encourage those guys, to gas up those guys, to make sure they run that pick and roll more, to gas up Kyle Lowry, to make them know that hey, we believe you and we believe in you and we need you. To also trust and use Siakam. For as long as he could. I feel like he got what he could have out of Siakam. And then when it became apparent that he just didn't have it. Or that you were getting good surge in this game and it was working. He went to surge. Gotta give credit to Nick Nurse. Plus also realizing, giving McCaw a bit of a go. Realizing that Fred doesn't have it. So he really clamped down on those minutes. Gotta give Nick Nurse a lot of credit in this game. But again, thanks, you guys, for tuning in. So many comments. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Some people talking about Joel Embiid here in the chat. Someone says, Joel is a definition of if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Meanwhile, Kawhi is consistent, quiet, dominance. I haven't seen the replay, probably because I was screaming at my TV after Kawhi hit that three over Embiid. But what was 
Kawhi's reaction after that three? Like, did he, I mean, I'm not expecting Kawhi to like jump in the air and scream and fist pump, but I mean, I wonder, did he even give like a, you know, a calm, cool, like, yeah, <laughs> I got to look back and see what Kawhi's reaction was after that three. Cause to me, that sums up everything, right? Go back to Joel Embiid. And the other thing too, to bring up about Embiid, there was a play early on in the game where he drove down the lane, he got a dunk, but when he landed, you could see him kind of grimace and kind of pull up and he looked like he was hurt, which takes me back to the prior point of if we all know that you're hurt and you know that you're hurt, why are you doing windmill dunks in blowout games when you have bad knees? That makes no sense. And now in this game, he threw down one dunk and his knee obviously was bothering him. Like, watch that play again. When Embiid throws down the dunk and he lands, he lands kind of awkwardly and it did not, it wasn't a good look for him. Just, but hey, again, every game is its own unique story in the playoffs. Momentum doesn't carry from one game to the next. It's just one game to the next. So enjoy this victory and know that next game, will take on another storyline. The only thing that's remained consistent throughout this series is that Kawhi Leonard is cold-blooded. That's about it. <laughs> Everything else has been up for grabs. Kawhi is the only thing. Someone writes in, my guy Foz writes in on uh, Twitter and says, no reaction, LOL. No reaction from Kawhi. That, to me, is a dude that he's not surprised by his work because he trusts the work that he puts in in the gym. <laughs> uh, let's see. Someone says, apparently MB texted Brett Brown at 6 a.m. this morning to let him know that he might not play, that he didn't get any sleep. See, these are the gimmicks that, like, get out of here, Embiid. Like, what are you eating? What are you eating that's in your stomach so much that you're, like, you have the flu so often? Like, what are you doing? I don't know. But again, that's also why I'm just not here for the, the, the trash talk like that. If you can't even ensure that you're going to play from game to game, come on, man. Uh, more Nick Nurse bigging up. Can we give Nurse props for finally having a short leash on Van Fleet? This is just not his matchup. And the truth is, the first round series wasn't his matchup either. We saw the same issues, right? Going against Michael Carter-Williams in that backcourt. Going like Augustine, cool right? Like that's more of a matchup that Freddie's there and able to handle. But even when you're driving into the lane and you're dealing in the trees of Jonathan Isaacs and Gordon and all those guys, you're seeing the same thing having an effect on Van Fleet in this series. And now it's a mental thing. His confidence just isn't there at all. But too much talking about other people because we just need to be bigging up Kawhi Leonard, the god, <laughs> having one of the best performances in Raptors franchise history, having one of the best shots, most clutch shots in Raptors franchise history. Huge shouts to Kawhi. More comments here on Instagram. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the league, period. Another comment, Kawhi is legend. Um, another comment, Lowry was good today. He fed everybody. Very true. Uh, someone brings up Kawhi's stats. In this series, 45, 35, 33, 39 points in all four games. That's work. Someone says, if we still had Debo, we would be down 3-1 to one in this series or maybe get swept by the Sixers. Well, James, who writes that in, I would argue that if we had Debo in this series, I don't know how the Orlando series would have went. I don't know what the Raptors seeding would have been in this, in this year if they still had Debo. That's just me. 
someone says, I don't want to be the downer. I don't want to be the downer, but let's also address the elephant in the room. They're missing wide open shots again. Those have to go down soon. Totally agree with you. And what I'll say about that is I'll trust the percentages. And the percentages tell me that the Raptors shoot well from three. Danny Green is an elite three-point shooter, and those shots will fall. So trust percentages. I'm okay with that. Trust your offense. Keep taking the big, the good shots and trust that it will go in. Instagram, this feed is about to cut out as I'm about to wrap up the podcast. So if it wraps up before I wrap up the pod, just know you've seen basically everything except the close. But if you want, still tune in iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all that fun stuff to catch the end. Thanks to the Instagram peeps for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next game for sure. See ya, Instagram. For the rest of you, before we wrap up, I just want to stress a couple things here. I really, really, really want to stress enjoying this or trying to enjoy this. And I know that in the moment, it's extremely difficult to enjoy what was happening because it was so nerve-wracking down the stretch with the game on the line. But what we're watching and what Kawhi Leonard is doing, I saw someone on Twitter say, even if Kawhi leaves, I still might have to get a Kawhi Raptors jersey. (laughs) And to be honest, I feel the same way. Yo, this man is a problem. He is carrying this team. And the only thing that worries me, okay, and I, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but the only thing that worries me is that what happens if Kawhi only gets 25 points in a game or if he only gets 27 in a game? That's the only part that worries me. So the Raptors, hopefully, going into next game, Kyle Lowry can continue and we'll get good Kyle Lowry. Hopefully they realize now that, hey, we can use Mark Gasol and use that pick and roll. And even if Kyle Lowry's shot isn't working, he should still be able to run that pick and roll with Mark Gasol. And that is something that they should be able to use or, you know, that's more than break open glass in case of emergency. You know what I mean? Like it's an option. It's a viable option in their offense, especially early in the game. Because the biggest thing that I took away from this game was as much as Kawhi was cooking early, he was, he was kind of shifted down a gear. He didn't really have to, quote-unquote, save the team until the third quarter, right? Until the Raps were down in the third. Other than that, the Raptors were getting buckets from other guys in the first half. It's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of high-usage Kawhi Leonard save us. <laughs> and, hey, as much as I enjoyed watching that, as much as I hope I enjoyed cheering for that three as he hit that over... Uh, the head top of Joel Embiid to ice that game. You also hope that it doesn't really come down to that. But if it does, (laughs) I'm happy Kawhi Leonard's on our team. But again, thanks for tuning in to this, the Wrap It Up podcast, which we do live on Twitter after each and every Toronto Raptors game at Shell Alexander. You can also catch a feed on Instagram where we take comments and questions there. Interact, like, and follow there as well at Sheldon Alexander. If you're ever unable to tune into the podcast live, just know we got you covered. If you have iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and or YouTube, tune in there, like and subscribe, share it, tell your friends as you guys continue to grow this as we do this show or hopefully what is still a long run in this Toronto Raptors season. Because, again, the stakes, what was at stake if if Kawhi doesn't hit that shot? 
it's jam done. Kawhi's probably gone. Kyle's probably gone. Serge probably gone. Like, who knows what's going down? There's rumors of Masai's interest or people being interested in Masai in other places throughout the league. Like, who knows what happens if the Raptors go down in this game and, and they're down 3-1. And that road to climb of winning three straight games? Ooh, that's a tough one. But hey, Kawhi did it. Kawhi saved the day. Enjoy it. Because I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps post-game show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Boom, blast.